There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and on this week's Archive Edition, we travel to the beautiful Sicilian island of Lampedusa, where everything is not quite as it seems, in 2016's powerful documentary, Fire at Sea. It's basically two stories that they never interact. You know, there's a story of the island and there's a story of the migrants. And uh, and these two stories, they kind of... Uh, Burly touch. This film focuses on the story of the European migrant crisis and sets the migrants' dangerous Mediterranean crossing against a background of the ordinary lives of some of its inhabitants. Set on the island of Lampedusa, it documents the lives of a 12-year-old boy from a local fishing family and a doctor who treats the migrants on their arrival. Please, fast. Your position, please. Your position. 33, yes. one. And then under, under. Okay, AC 52. We have a small children. Please, can you have how, a break? Okay, how many, how many people on board? I think it's about uh, 150 people. Directed by Gianfranco Rossi, this documentary won the Golden Bear at the 66th Berlin International Film Festival. So back in 2016, I caught up with the director to discover what drove him to make this film, starting with some of the characters he introduces to us. Let's talk about a few of the characters then. The doctor I wanted to start with, even though he's not the first person you see, I believe when you were making the film, he was one of the most important. Yeah, and uh, also the relationship became very strong between me and him. uh, And actually, the more deeper the relation was becoming, the more harder it was to shoot uh, uh, that's why in the film he's in so little place, but somehow when he's there, he's so pregnant and so strong. So it was very difficult to find the balance between uh, a relationship, uh, private relationship that I had with him and uh, having him being part uh, of uh, the film, always as himself, you know, because there's no point in, there's no part in the movie which is not uh, related to reality and mm. to what people are and what people do. I never put in a mise-en-scene, nothing of the film. It's all really part of real life and real things that always happen in front of the camera. But it's important to create a deep relationship and a deep mm. trust, you know, with the people that I decided to have in front of the camera. With the doctor was one of the first person I met in the in the film uh, when I was there and doing my location scouting, when I still didn't know if I was going to make the film there or not. He was the one that somehow gave me the strength to come back in Lampedusa and deciding to make that film because uh, I met him accidentally, or not accidentally, I had the bronchitis, oh. and I went to the hospital 
And I uh, met him and I sit down and uh, for two hours I talk about everything besides my bronchitis. <laughs> and, and, and at the end of the, of the conversation we had, he gave me a, a USB pen, uh, which was containing uh, 20 years of his uh, work in the island, images, uh, statistics, uh, moments, which are very private and very strong. And uh, because when I left there, I said, I don't know if I'm going to come back and make this film here because it's a very difficult film. I don't know if I have the strength and the knowledge to do a film like that here. And he gave me this little USB pen and he said, well, once you look at what is inside here, I'm sure you're going to come back and make this film. And that's what happened. And at the end of the film, after my journey there of more than a year, I gave back this pen to him. And there is a very strong scene in the film when he's in front of a monitor and he's describing what he's watching. So I told him, you made me come back here, and now it's a moment for you to give back to the audience that's going to watch this movie, what you gave me the first time to me in such a personal way. And, uh, and I had this 40-minute sequence, which is very strong and very moving, which it became a, a core, a central part of the film, which is somehow it's also the scene that allowed us to to face um, what um, we see later on the yeah. construction of the film, which is the tragedy of the deaf people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is the right phrase, and you, you might describe it better than me, but I would describe the Doctor as an everyday hero. He faces the unbelievable every day. And when we first see him in the film, he, he, with the, the, the scanning, the ultrasound of the baby, he, he, he can't communicate with this, 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 this woman. He's so... Incredible, just a human. human, yeah. Yeah. Well, also with the kid, uh, there is this incredible moment with the kid, which is, uh, I think is fantastic. You know, because the film is basically two stories that they never interact. You know, there's a story of the island and there's a story of the migrants. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and these two stories, they kind of uh, barely touch. And, uh, and in between, there is this figure of this uh, doctor, which is, uh, or the institution, like the Navy or the mm. Gorkas, the Guard Coast. But there are these two entities, these two realities that they never interact. And when people ask me why there's no interaction, because there's none, you know, because uh, since uh, uh, Mare Nostrum was built in th th three years ago, and uh, Frontex and Triton, uh, the, the border of Lampedusa somehow moved in the middle of the sea and the boat arriving from the coast of Africa, they are intercepted in the middle of the sea. And then uh, the, the arrival in Lampedusa has been institutionalized mm. and is not anymore random like used to be four, five, six years ago where there were much more interaction between the island and the people of the island and the people arriving. So it changed completely also the dynamic mm. um, uh, of um, of the of the interaction between the island itself and the migrants. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I personally, and I'm not sure if other people would feel the same, when you see the military, the, the discipline, the, the people dressed up with the masks on and, and the way they deal with this, it's so cold. Well, these are boats that are there, and their mission is uh, to rescue people that are in need of being rescued. And uh, and the paradox is is uh, that uh, since the more boat military boats there are in the sea, the more people are dying, because uh, it changed also again the dynamic of how people were leaving the from the coast of Libya or Tunisia or Egypt or. Because now they know that somehow 
they're gonna be rescued by someone. So the traffic, uh, the, the people traffic, and uh, they're, they're completely, you know, they don't care. <laughs> they just put them in the worst condition, in the worst boat, in boat that are not able to to face the the harshness of the sea and of the journey. And uh, after three, four, five hours of uh, navigation, this boat collapsed basically, either because there are like too many people or because they're like very weak uh, boat. It's a very yeah, um, fatishanti, very, that they break, you know, the water comes in. They, and also they have these rubber boats now that before they were, they never had this. And, uh, and that's um, where most of the death uh, happened because after a few hours of navigation, there is no, wood in the floor yeah. and so it gets all full of water and this this mix between uh, petrol and water which creates uh, this burn on the body yeah. so the fact is like you know the more uh, the more navy the more military the more rescue effort there is and the more people are die which is a is a sad uh, paradox was that I mean I think you um, as you stayed there for an entire year you, you saw many many occasions where the boats yeah. uh, came came across <clears throat> did that become easier did it become harder well uh, you know every time uh, you never expect what's happening uh, sometimes uh, you know you expect uh, to be difficult uh, rescue and then was easy. Sometimes for an easy rescue became people died in front of you. And till the the one that we see in the movie, which of course I had so many scene, uh, extreme scene in the film, but I had only, I could choose one to put and that became the symbolic scene that uh, mm. the, um, that I put in the film, which is when people died in uh, under the boat. And uh, somehow there, really, literally, I encountered death, and death came to me because I, it, it seems to be one of the regular rescue. The, the, the sea was very calm, everything was under control, and uh, once we arrived there with the rubber boat, uh, suddenly, after a few minutes, we had bodies coming into the boat, and there were um, people that were on the verge of death. A uh, few of them died in the boat. They were not able to be rescued. But then the horrible things happened once we discovered that um, 150 people were under that boat there. Mm. And uh, 50 people didn't make it and they died. Like they were basically intoxicated by the fume of the of the engine of the boat itself. And they died like in a chamber gas. And um, at that point I decided that this is a, was a truth that the world had to discover. And I couldn't turn my head on a different direction and I had to show that. I decided to use that um, tragedy in the film. It was very difficult to edit the whole film because the whole film is built somehow to arrive to that tragedy and to live from that tragedy and to go back to the yeah. story of the island. So this was very delicate uh, construction in, during the editing. Yeah, it's 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 incredible what you achieved, I suppose, with the, with, the, with the rhythm and the pacing. And and I was going to also say for those who haven't seen it, um, I hope not. Obviously, point the podcast they will go and see it. Um, but is you well, know they must. they must go and see it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably the, that's probably what we're trying to say. They must go and see it. Um, there's no music. Well, there's music through the radio. The radio station is the one that supports the mood. It's another mood. I think this is a film about mood. You know, the boys build a mood. 
the doctors, the doctors builds another strength on the film, and the music, there's all elements. I think the film is always builded in a way that you go beyond the island and somehow it's preparing to face the unknown, and the unknown is the world that we don't know how to accept, you know, yet. Unfortunately, and 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 the, and the stark beauty as well. I think that definitely contrasts as well. The island itself is 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 very beautiful. The way you shoot it. Well, um, I always choose a certain type of light, a certain way when I film. Uh, for me, it's very important to give a narration through the the c- cinematographic uh, language, and uh, I, I I want to use in my work the language of cinema as uh, strong as possible in order in order to reinforce. Reality, some people tell me it looks like a, a feature film, doesn't look like a documentary. But uh, we are living in a moment where the word documentary or feature is so labeled and so thin, you know, like um, uh, it, uh, we live in the contradiction when the, you go to see a good uh, movie, because ah, it's so good, that film looks so real, it looks like a documentary. And then, uh, ah, that documentary is good, it looks like a feature film. <laughs> it's like so. I don't know anymore where is the mm. the division between documentary and fiction. For me, it's important that the film is a documentary because anything that happens is uh, dictated by reality and by the need of the people to... It's almost a character story, my film, mm. you know, like a, my duty as a documentarian is, uh, is to go deep inside the truth of the person I'm filming, of the place I'm filming and of the political and social element that uh, I want to... Uh, achieve in the film. Maybe a simple question, but it's always interesting to know the, your your approach to it. But I mean, you were there, as you said, for a long period of time. How do you convince these people to ignore the camera, to 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 reveal themselves? Well, there's no method on that. You know, like I take out the camera very rarely, and when I take it out, it's because it's the right moment to take it out. And I'm work by myself. I'm alone when I shoot. I do sound. I do camera. And uh, I'm a one-man crew, so that's easier somehow to convey a sense of uh, of intimacy and uh, the fact that there's no disturbing element uh, around. It's make it easier to interact uh, directly. And as I said before, I take out the camera. I usually spend a lot, a lot of time, or sometimes even the camera is there and I don't film, so that people, you know, somehow get used to the fact that there is a div- an element of separation between us once in a while. And, and of course, the camera does change the relationship, you know, when the people say, you are invisible. I'm not invisible at all. You know, I'm there <laughs> with a big camera. And, the boy's probably showing off, isn't he, I'm sure, to you some of the time. No, I think that the boy is really like he didn't care at all about the camera. He was like absolutely, completely out of that thing. But as I say, before arriving that, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of time that I spend with uh, mm. with all of them. And then uh, sometimes I have the camera with me and I don't take it out. Sometimes the camera is just out there on a tripod and I don't film. Sometimes it's with my shoulder and I don't film. So at the end, people get used to this uh, third element and... Um, and then when I start filming, 
it's usually uh, brings uh, a third dimension of the narration which is something that I don't expect and it's something that they don't expect. It's like the sense of uh, acting in the Greek tragedy way, you know, the actant uh, in Eschilo. It's like the, the actor that is acting without the knowledge of acting. And so it happens probably in a documentary because of the fact that, I mean, now I have a microphone in front of me and I'm telling things that I would not tell uh, or if I'm with someone else talking. But so you're now forcing me to go in a direction and thinking, when, uh, so is it true, is it false, uh, is like what I'm saying is real, is not real, I, I don't know. It's a, in a way like being to a psychoanalysis uh, session, you know, when uh, at certain point the, 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 the psychoanalysis doesn't ask anymore if it's real, if it's not real. Um, because even if in, in the light there's a truth, so I don't ask myself anymore if the person is acting in front of me because there's a camera and I, I don't care. What I care is that the, what I film is uh, linked very deeply to the truth of the moment and the truth of the person. So that's what I say it's important when I say it's a character study, you know, and, and, and what I film has to be very much connected to the reality of the moment and of the person that I'm filming. Did you see any connection between the the island sort of history of uh, fishing and of, of, of the fishermen that we see and the the son of the fisherman and the fact that out in the water there's this strange occurrence going on well water is an is an island there's water around water always represents death and life also in the greek uh, myth of course everything that is there when there's the water when there's a fisherman under water it's always bring it uh, into a narration and the fact that the kids uh, has problem with the water, he suffers, he has, he, he has nausea in the boat, uh, uh, he doesn't know how to row, he doesn't want to become a fisherman, uh, he has to exercise his uh, stomach, build up his stomach in order of uh, not having nausea because that's the future of his life, he's becoming a fisherman. So I think the film is like, is close to a, there's a word which in Italian we say, Romanzo di formazione, and he has his like, novel of self-growth, um, like a, a building roman, right? So that's what the film is about. It's a romance of self-growth. It's a self-growth novel. Okay. Uh, so this, the, 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 the difficulties of growing, you know, of this child becomes then a, a metaphor for us of difficulties of, accept of accepting the knowing, mm -hmm. something we don't know. And that's what the story of the kids is fundamental, I think, to carry on the tragedy of the migrant that arrived in Lampedusa and uh, at a certain point the tragedy that uh, we face in the film, which mm. is death. I, th I think you, you gave a very powerful speech when this, when this won, a, won an award, but do you believe that art can make a difference? Is that important to you in, reg in regards to, obviously, the immig immigration mm. crisis? Well, um, I have a contradiction. Sometimes I say that, you know, art cannot change uh, or film cannot change the world. But then if I really deeply think when I start a project, I do things that with the, my film I can change things. And then at the end, when the film is finished, if uh, there is one person or two persons that can change their mind, it's already a big uh, Result, but besides changing or not changing things, I think what I want this film to bring is a certain awareness, and the awareness is like we cannot accept the fact that twenty thousand people died in the last fifteen years crossing the water to reach freedom, escaping from tragedy, 
And uh, we know that Europe know, our states, uh, government, they do know that people are dying every day in a horrible way. And what I want the thing to bring is awareness that these are not numbers, and uh, but these are people. And once you see them in the eyes and encountering them, uh, I hope, you know, brings the awareness that, again, these are not numbers, but these are people, and even one person makes a difference. Your position. My friend. Hello. Hello. Thanks to Jan Franco for speaking to me. Meryl Streep, chair of the Berlin jury, called the film a daring hybrid of captured footage and deliberate storytelling that allow us to consider what documentaries can do. It is urgent, imaginative and necessary filmmaking. And, well, I couldn't agree more. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archived edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out.